0: Before I was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I was with some friends of mine, actually one friend and his friends, riding in a car in Eugene. And these two friends of my friend began to ask me questions about my life and who I was. And and I shared with them that my father had passed away when I was 14 years old. And one of them, who was a Christian, asked this question, How has God used that to make you a better person? And I was a little bit stunned and floored at that question, not being a believer at the time. I had a Catholic upbringing and knew some things, but I was certainly not walking with the Lord. I, I think I faked my answer uh, because I was kind of felt like I was on the spot and didn't know what to say, so I gave some answer. And then I thought about it afterwards, and I thought, what a neat thing that the idea that a tragedy could be used for good really appealed to me. And it was one of the factors that caused me to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to talk to you about that idea that how, how it is that God allows very difficult trials in our life uh, for his purposes. So that's our topic today. And so before we get to that passage in 1 Peter chapter 1, I do want to give you a little background about 1 Peter. When you read the New Testament, you need to understand that it was written by persecuted Christians. So it's different than our American setting. It was written also to persecuted Christians. So remember that when you read the New Testament. The trials and troubles they're talking about are typically trials and troubles that come because they believe in the Lord Jesus and they're getting pushed back from their culture. Here's what was going on. emperor was Nero. Rome had burned down. And the people suspected that Nero had started the fire to burn Rome down. And so he realized they were blaming him for this, and he needed a scapegoat, somebody that he could blame instead of himself. And what better group than the Christians to blame? After all, they would not participate in emperor worship. And there was a misunderstanding that they ate human bodies. They were cannibalists. It was a misunderstanding of the Lord's Supper, but that was the reputation that they had. And so, one of the things that Nero did was he would uh, cover a Christian who was alive in pitch, light him on fire, her, and use those as lamps at his garden parties, burning Christians who were who set on fire. And I could give you lots of examples, but I think it would be too much and it would ruin your appetite for lunch. But horrible things are happening to believers at the time and Peter is writing to encourage them. And so that's the setting of 1 Peter. And so we go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And this is how Peter encouraged them. In this, you greatly rejoice. And I'll tell you what this is in a moment. But now, for a little while, you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. What is it that they greatly rejoiced in? Well, we have to go back a few verses. And and Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That's what they rejoiced in. That there was a place prepared for them that can't perish or spoil or fade. They had new birth through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In this you greatly rejoice. Brothers and sisters, that is so critical in trials to keep our eyes on what is ahead, to keep our eyes on what, is guaranteed us in the future that there's coming a day when there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, and no more suffering. And knowing that deep in our hearts is a great encouragement when the pressure is on in this life to keep on going and not get discouraged and to not give up. So it's critical that we have an eternal perspective So why do we rejoice in the midst of trials? Because we have a God who's bigger than the trials. We have a Jesus Christ who has promised us things and done things for us that are bigger than the trials that we are in. See, the joy of a Christian is not dependent on what goes on in your life today or yesterday or tomorrow It's dependent upon an unchanging rock of who God is and what Jesus has done for us. Those things don't change. What happens in my life day to day does change. All kinds of circumstances come along, but I'm clinging to the unchanging truth that God is God and doesn't change. And Jesus Christ has died for my sins and risen from the dead, and I am forgiven and in right standing with him. And he's prepared a place for me. Those things don't change. Therefore, my life doesn't have to be a roller coaster ride according to what happens in my life. My friend, some of you know him, Lynn Lynn Cohen, at the the River Center was telling me one day that he had went back to his hometown and and the farmers were meeting in a cafe for breakfast and they were laughing at this one particular farmer and he wondered, what's, what'd he do that they're harassing him like this? It turns out that this farmer, uh, uh, when he was plowing, one of the strategies for plowing is that you, you fix your eyes on an object in the distance and then you go towards that object in the distance and that way you get a straight plow. Well, he fixed his eyes on a cow and the cow moved. And he, and, he, and he got a crooked furrow from, from his plowing. And that's what, they were, that's what they were harassing him about. And it reminds me that we fixed our eyes on a person, uh, Jesus, who doesn't move, who doesn't change. What he's done for us doesn't change. Who he is doesn't change. Habakkuk understood that his joy was in God. Habakkuk was a farmer. And he was a prophet. As you know, the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament, we call it a minor prophet, book of minor prophets, because it's uh, small. Anyway, uh, Habakkuk was in a season when Judah was getting invaded by Babylon. He's a farmer and he has nothing, and he says this. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, we'll stop right there, that's pretty bad when you're a farmer. He's got nothing. Yet he says this, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Now, Peter said something interesting. He said that these trials are for a short while. And I often think when I'm in trials, this doesn't seem short at all. Some of, them don't. Some of you live with chronic pain you've had for decades. It doesn't seem short. And yet the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18, What seems long and heavy is actually short and light in view of eternity. It's just a snap of a finger, a blink of an eye, compared to all of eternity. That's why he can say, you've had to suffer grief. Peter says, you've had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, but he says, for a short time. There's a quote from Warren Wearsby. Warren Wearsby is an author and uh, a preacher. And he said this about trials. This has really encouraged me. When God permits his children to go through the furnace, he keeps his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. So God's in control of it. How long it goes and how intense it is. So why are... the the readers that Peter is writing to going through their trials. Peter tells us why. I might have gone dead here on this. Not getting anything. There we are. Here's the answer to why they're going through their trials and why I go through mine and you go through yours. One answer. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, your faith is, which perishes even though refined by fire. Go back to your faith now. Your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Why are they going through these trials? So that it will prove that they have real, not fake, faith, that their faith is the real deal. And glory and praise will be brought, actually, usually when glory and praise is brought, it's always brought to God, but in this case, it's brought to you, it's brought to us. As we faithfully uh, put up with trials, there's one day when we will get glory and praise. So, how many of you know how to tell the difference between a hard-boiled egg and a raw egg. You've got some in the refrigerator and you're not sure. Uh Uh-oh, is that one of the hard-boiled ones or not? I'm not sure. And so there is a test that you can do. And many of you know this. This has been around for a while. You spin the egg on a flat surface. And if you have a raw egg, the yolk splashes around and it just doesn't spin. It just kind of wobbles a little bit and goes down very quickly. But if you have a hard-boiled egg, It has a little bit of a spin to it. It'll stay in spin for just a little bit. And that's how you can tell the difference. You can also tell the difference between someone who's genuinely in Christ and not by how they respond to trials. You could say when they're spun around in life, it shows up what they believe and whether Christ is dwelling in them and they have a trust in him or not. And so when you go through trials and hardships and you continue to trust God and believe in God and you walk by faith through that trial, it shows that you're a real Christian. That's what Peter's saying. And Peter's saying that's why, that's one reason we have trials is to prove that your faith is real. Let's look at what some of the other New Testament authors say about Trials and why God allows them in our lives. Many of you are familiar with this one. James 1, 2-4. This is shocking, what he says. This first statement is shocking. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Let's stop right there. How many of you say, Oh yeah, that's me. (laughs) Yep. Say, praise God, another trial. Now, how in the world would you do that? Listen to what he says. Here's why. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work. So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So why is it that James can say, count it joy when you face all kinds of difficulties? Because those difficulties are producing something very good in you if you walk by faith through them. It is producing endurance or perseverance, the ability to keep on going on, and God wants you to have that. He wants you to have the ability to not quit and not give up, to endure. And he wants you mature. And that's why we can say, hallelujah, trials are good. So it's critical that we see our trials as a this thing that God is using to develop us. I'm in training. I'm clay being molded by God. And, And I'm most moldable when I am in pain and under pressure. Now, I can resist. I can harden up during those times. But when I'm soft and tender during those times, God gets a lot of mileage out of my trials in terms of developing me. There's a town in the south that made its living entirely from growing cotton. But a beetle, the boll weevil beetle, came along and, and ruined their crops and made it such that they had to give up growing cotton. And so they went to another crop. They went to Peanuts. And peanuts turned out to be way more lucrative than cotton ever was. So that town built a monument to the boll weevil beetle. And that's what you can do. Even though we don't like pain, I hate pain. There's gain from pain. And I can say in the end, thank you, Lord, for the pain you put me through because... You have developed me into who you want me to be through it. Sometimes I look at it this way. Nobody escapes pain in this life. Jesus made a promise that very few people claim. He said, in this world you will have trouble. He also said, take heart, I've overcome the world. That part's important. But, but there's a promise few of us claim. In this world, you will have trouble. So everybody, Christian, non-Christian, wherever you live, doesn't matter on this planet, you're going to have a lot of trouble in life. And most of you are a little, a, little, a little older, better than halfway through your life right now. You really have seen some things. You've seen a lot of pain in other people and in your own life. And you know this is true. So the truth is, everybody goes through pain. The question is... Does the pain do any good or not? You don't have the option to escape pain. The only option you have is to cooperate with God in the pain so he can develop you or to not cooperate with God and have the pain be wasted. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I like the the option of cooperating with God through the pain. Paul also wrote about why we have trials in our life. Let's see what the Apostle Paul said. Very similar to what James said. Romans 5, 2 to 5. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Let's stop right there. Does that sound familiar? Kind of what Peter was saying? In this you greatly rejoice... So here we are with this eternal perspective again. Don't forget that piece, it's huge. But not only so, not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, he says, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Stop right there. Does that sound familiar? We rejoice in our sufferings. James says, Count it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. He goes on. Why Why is it not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Stop right there. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) I think the Holy Spirit is inspiring these authors in the same way. They're writing the same thing. And perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. I really believe that your life will be turned upside down if you will change your perspective on the pain that you go through. If you will see it as God developing perseverance, character, and hope in you. Your whole perspective on the things you face will be different. Usually in pain, I cry out to God to do a removing job and God wants to do an improving job in me. A man found a cocoon of an emperor moth one day and thought it would be fun to see it, that that moth emerge out of the cocoon. So he took that branch home and that cocoon and watched it. And as that moth tried to get out of the cocoon, there was just this tiny, tiny hole. And it struggled and struggled and struggled and could not squeeze out of that hole. And the guy had compassion on that moth and thought, I'm going to help him out. He got his scissors and and clipped that hole a little bit larger. And the moth was able to emerge. It emerged with a bloated body and shriveled up wings. And and the guy thought to himself, this will take care of itself and this moth will eventually... Fly. But it never happened. He never the, the moth never flew, and the moth was always bloated and had dried-up wings. Do you know why? Because the pressure of coming out of that cocoon forces the fluid from the body into the wings to develop that moth the way it's supposed to be developed in order to fly. And if that moth doesn't have the process of that pressure being applied. It never becomes what it's supposed to be. Sound familiar? If you never have that pressure applied to you, you never mature and develop and become who God wants you to be. I wish it were different. I wish I wish I could be pain-free and still become a really mature spiritual godly person who perseveres and has character and maturity and hope but it doesn't work that way it requires pressure Is that good news or bad news I don't know it's the truth <laughs> So if you want to get along with God you need to have the same goals that God has for you. What are God's goals for you? According to these passages we've read today perseverance that you be a persevering person, you be mature uh, that you be a person of character and that you be a person of hope. That's what God has in mind for you. Now if my goal for myself is comfort and ease. That's going to clash with God's goals because God's goals require pressure. So if you want to get along with the Lord, you might need to change your goals over to what his goals for you are, which is in, in short maturity in him. I don't know how familiar you are with eagles and eagle nests, but there's another interesting illustration from Scripture of what God is doing in our lives, and it's this. When the mother eagle gathers material for her nest, she picks some materials that would surprise you. Thorns, sharp sticks, and sharp rocks. Those go into the nest along with fur and feathers and um, wool. So the wool, the fur, the feathers go on top and the eaglets in that nest are very comfortable and they're fed and they're enjoying life very much. But there comes a point when the mother eagle decides it's time to go out on your own and become all that you were meant to be. And they eaglets are kind of resistant to that idea because they have it good. Mom is feeding them, and they're in this nice, soft environment, and at that time she stirs the nest. So that instead of the nice, soft fur and wool uh, and feathers, they have sticks and thorns and sharp rocks to rest in. And it's an incentive for them to get out of the nest and fly on their own I believe that's what God does with us too he gives us some rocks and sharp stuff and some thorns to cause us to get out and mature and become all that he wants us to be so when you go through hard stuff don't See yourself as a victim. But know this Hebrews 12, 7. This is a great chapter on God disciplining those he loves. And we just look at this one verse, though. It says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons, for what son is not disciplined by his father? When I go through trials and troubles, there's a tendency to say, you must not love me, God, or I wouldn't be going through this pain. But the opposite is true. The pain that you're going through is actually evidence that God does love you. He's your potter, you're the clay, and he's developing you into a person of perseverance, character, hope, and maturity. So that's my challenge to you this morning. Look at the pain in your life as opportunity to become all that God wants you to be. Amen?